the 75th episode of the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast show. That's right. It is the 75th episode of Jeff Becomes Jeff. That's a lot. There's not really a term, a special term for a 75th episode. If you were celebrating like a 75-year anniversary, that would be called the semi-sesquicentennial. That's a fun word to say. Also known as the Diamond Jubilee. So this is the Diamond Jubilee episode of the podcast. Granted, you know, we're not celebrating 75 years of doing the podcast just 75 episodes. However, I do want to say that I am over the two-year mark of when the first episode dropped, so that's good. I mean, I didn't put out a ton in the first year, as I have discussed, and I'm not going to rehash all of that in this episode, but boy, have I put out a metric shit ton of content in just the last year. A year welcome. So one thing I want to start with pointing out is that we recently had Memorial Day for all of my American listeners, which is the majority of you, to be specific. Memorial Day was yesterday. I'm recording this on Tuesday, May 31st. And of course, we all know Memorial Day is essentially a day to honor those who fought or died. I think primarily those who died uh, in the name of fighting for our country. That's not exactly how it started. Now, I know in a previous episode, I mentioned that I'm going to start doing special holiday themed episodes for holidays coming up, like Father's Day or July 4th, things like that. However, Memorial Day with the basic ideology of what Memorial Day is about didn't really seem like, you know, while I could have come up with some educational stuff, didn't really seem like it was something that I was going to be able to turn into an entertaining, a lighthearted, or a comical episode of the podcast. So I avoided doing a special episode for Memorial Day, but I am going to give you a quick little history here before we get to today's topic, which is going to be somewhat along the lines of Memorial Day. So let's go back to the origins of Memorial Day in the United States of America. It was first observed in May of 1868. At the time, it was known as Decoration Day, and it was to honor the Union soldiers who died during the Civil War. And they would go around on this day every year, and they would decorate the graves of those Union soldiers. And they specifically did it in late May because it would mean that there would be flowers blooming in all of the areas where these graves would exist. Now, I do want to point out, this was to, you know, decorate and honor the dead Union soldiers, the Confederate soldiers, not so much. Now, quick little history about the Civil War. It lasted from 1861 to 1865, and hopefully most of you know that the central issue to the Civil War was slavery, or the right to own people and slaves. So in 1863, about halfway through the Civil War, President Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln, issued the Emancipation Proclamation, a very famous speech, and he was essentially granting freedom to any of the slaves that lived in rebellious states. Now, the rebellious states were the ones down south.
And he was trying to say with the Emancipation Proclamation, you slaves are also free and you have a right to freedom. Not that that was actually going to do anything. This speech really didn't do shit because in those states, they were still rebelling. They were still fighting. They were still owning and driving their slaves to do all of the work that they wanted them to do. Then in April of 1865, the Confederate Army was completely depleted and defeated and they surrendered, which officially ended the Civil War. It was also in the same month of April 1865 that President Lincoln, as we all know, was assassinated. So we'll flash forward 102 years. In 1967, that was the first time that Decoration Day was actually known as Memorial Day, which was now celebrating the fallen warriors and soldiers from any American war. Except, of course, those damned Confederate soldiers. I will say that one really cool thing about Memorial Day this year was I saw a post and a picture on social media on Facebook from my aunt, and it was a picture of my great-grandfather, Golden Schaefer. What a kick-ass name, Golden Schaefer. And as well as my great-grandmother Schaefer, and he was in his uniform getting ready to go off and fight in World War II, where he would be killed by a Japanese sniper. I had never seen this picture before. Matter of fact, if I ever even saw a picture of my great-grandmother Schaefer growing up, I do not recall it. In my memory, in my brain, this is the first time I ever saw a picture of my great-grandmother Schaefer, which is kind of odd and weird how, you know, family history and lineage only a few generations back can be completely unknown to us, and we really don't even think about it until it pops up. Regardless, that was a really cool thing to see, and the coolest takeaway from all of that is that my grandfather's brother, who died in World War II, was named Golden. That's badass. I love gold. The look of it, the taste of it, the smell of it, the So enough of a history lesson on the Memorial Day holiday. I do want to point out, I know I've mentioned recently that I started kind of learning drums as an actual drummer. And boy, have I been recently put to the test as a learning drummer. So the school I work for, the music instruction school, while it is primarily designed for children under the age of 18, they do have an adult band. And the adult band practices on Tuesday nights after the school is done at 8 o'clock, and last week the drummer for the adult band was unable to make it, so they asked me, hey, would you mind sitting in and practicing on drums with the band so that we can at least have our practice? So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do my best. It was four songs. Those songs were More Than a Feeling by Boston, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, Plush by Stone Temple Pilots, and Santeria by Sublime. Now, again, I had you know a matter of minutes of notice. So I didn't have a chance to listen to these songs, to prepare, to figure out what the actual drum beat was, where the accents were, where the kick drum should be. So I did my best to just provide drum beats strictly out of memory of whenever the last time I heard these songs had been. I think overall I did a pretty good job, but afterwards I was just like, yeah. I mean, I think it sounded okay. We got through the practice. I was sufficient in the aspect of what they wanted me to do as a fill-in. However, that's just not not how I roll. So I'm like, you know what? Screw it. In the event that this drummer for the adult band is not available for a future rehearsal or even worse, one of the shows that they do, I'm going to learn these songs the way they're supposed to be learned if they need to fill in in a time when it really matters. Plus, it just gives me a reason to learn new songs from a variety of different artists. And I mean, technically, they're all kind of 
rock, but the Sublime song is kind of like faux reggae. Obviously, the Boston song is more classic rock. Plush is more grunge rock. Smells like Teen Spirit, of course, also grunge rock. But it allowed me to kind of mix up and learn new styles, which is how we learn, especially as musicians, is by diversifying and learning things from perhaps even artists that you never would have considered learning from before. Stepping outside your comfort zone. And, you know, while none of these songs are over-the-top crazy difficult, it's mainly kind of a matter of really memorizing the sections. All the little fills and the transitions. Transitions are hard. You know the sections, but putting them all together at real-time speed while you're listening to the song, let alone playing it independently without the music in the background in a band scenario, that's tricky. And then, of course, there were certain techniques and mechanics that I had never tried before that were specific to some of these songs, so I was learning new stuff just by learning the song. Like right now, after all of the work that I have put in, I know how to play Santeria by Sublime. I cannot play Santeria by Sublime. There's just this shuffle hi-hat all with the right hand. It's just fast enough that my hand can't quite do it without all of a sudden getting very rigid and lose that shuffle. So that's just going to take a lot of practicing, a lot of muscle memory. Speaking of muscle memory, muscle memory is a very weird thing. It's so odd how we can do something and with enough repetition that the neurons in our brain require little to no thought. I mean, we use muscle memory all the time, and I tell my students all the time, that's why you need to practice, 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 because you will build muscle memory, and now you don't need to think about playing this part. But yeah, we use it all the time, like writing or typing or driving. I mean, even walking is essentially muscle memory. Look at a young child that's learning how to walk. It is not an easy process, and only over time and through repetition does it become natural. But I consider muscle memory to be a very odd aspect of how our bodies and brains work. And then finally, the last update that I will give you before we get into today's topic, another very long topic. This one, I thought the last episode had a lot of show prep. This one has even more show prep. So going to try and keep these updates quick, short, sweet, so we can get to the meaty part of the episode. Oh, I like it when it's meaty. But I am still working on learning German. Well, kind of. Let me explain this. At the time that I did this show prep, just last night, I was still working on learning German. And it's starting to get harder. I'm advancing. I'm doing very well with it. But I've also always been fascinated with the Russian language. As a matter of fact, I took two semesters of Russian language at The Ohio State University. And in the past, I have used the Duolingo app, which I am using for German, to try and reteach myself Russian. But it's just one of those things where you get so far in and it's frustrating because it's like, well, I don't have anyone to communicate with. So it's very hard to learn a language when it's just you by yourself in a chair and that's it. You never actually get to interact with another person and use the language or hear the language. But last night, after doing multiple German exercises, I decided I'm going to go flip back over to the Russian 
exercises that I had barely started like a year ago. And I think I'm actually going to shift my gears back to Russian. I just really enjoy that language so much more. And it, it to an extent, it's a lot more simple. They don't add a bunch of extra words that don't need to be there. Like with German, one of the things that's become really difficult for me is that they have pronouns. Yeah, no, not the pronouns you're thinking of. Not the ones that drive me crazy. Like he, her, she, him, they, them, Zizo. <laughs> But I guess maybe it's not so much pronouns, but it's when they're using the word the or a slash and to say an apple, the apple. And the the or the an or the a is specific to the gender of the actual word that follows. But unlike Spanish or French, there's no real obvious indicators in the word as to what the gender of that word is. Like in Spanish, typically you're looking for vowels at the end of the word, which lets you know, hey, I should put a la in front of this one. Oh, there's no vowels? I'm definitely saying L. That makes it easier. Now, in addition to that, German uses three genders for their words, male, female, and neutral. The male would be der, the female would be d. And the neutral would be das. But again, the words themselves don't really seem to have a real reason why that gender is assigned. Like, for example, coffee and tea, kaffee und tea, are both male words. Water, vasa, is female. Mineral water, mineral vasa, is neutral. So it would basically be der coffee, der tea, die vasa, das mineral vasa. And also it started getting difficult because now I'm getting into these really long phrases where you have all these multiple words that mean just one or two word phrases in the English language. Like, for example, in German, just to say I'm sorry is es tut mir leid. So it's four words just to say I'm sorry. Who knows? Maybe I'll try and do both Russian and German at the same time. Not sure if my brain can handle that. All right, let's stop with these stupid updates. Let's get into the topic of today, rights and other antiquated crap. By rights, I mean, you know, what we consider to be rights from a governmental perspective, not the opposite of lefts. But the main reason I had the idea to discuss this is because since recording the last episode I did on choice, and yes, to an extent, this episode will almost be a continuation of that episode. Didn't mean for that to happen, but since recording that episode on choice, there was another big mass school shooting here in the United States of America. A mass shooting that killed 19 students and two teachers. In general, I tend to avoid the news and social media, just don't care for it. So I have had to do some research on this, which of course, you know, I don't mind doing a little research for learning moments, but I just want to apologize in advance if any of this sounds like a book report. But in regards to school shootings, you know, even more so than just a general finger quotes mass shooting, it always triggers cries for gun reform in this country or even a complete ban on guns. And this most recent incident took place at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I will tell you that police arrived on the scene within minutes of the shooting being reported, but they waited over an hour for reinforcements before entering the building. I would think after the insane amount of mass shootings and school shootings that we have had in this country, especially in recent history, that the police would have some protocols in place of not, I'm going to sit here for over an hour and wait for reinforcements. I mean, even if it's just better armor, 
to send a few handful of people in there. Like, think about a plane crash. It is so near impossible for anybody to ever be involved in a plane crash in a commercial flight. However, if you've ever been on one flight, let alone multiple flights, you know exactly what those protocols are in the event that your plane is going to crash. Like, for example, do you put your oxygen mask on first or do you put your child's oxygen mask on first? It would seem like, as a parent, you would want to make sure your child has their oxygen mask on first. But if you run out of air while trying to put their mask on and don't finish, well, you can't put their mask on. So they say put yours on first, then put theirs on. But there's all kind of rules. We know there's a whistle in your life preserver. We know that your seat can be turned into a flotation device. We already have all of these protocols in place for something that is nearly impossible to occur. Yet with the frequency of school shootings, why is there no standard protocol that requires police to not have to wait over an hour before entering the school? Or are they simply just afraid? And I don't blame them. I wouldn't want to run into a school with an active shooter. However, that's the reason why I'm not a police officer. I didn't sign up to be a hero when needed to be. So let's look at a quick history of school shootings in America. So since 1970, there have been 2,052 school shootings with 661 deaths. So obviously a lot of these shootings might have just been one person being shot, two people being shot. Doesn't even necessarily mean that anyone died. So that's since 1970. In 2021, last year, there were 250 school shootings. Over double what there was in 2020 with 114 school shootings. Now, keep that in mind, that was at a time when a lot of schools weren't even open due to COVID, so that would maybe explain why there were less. However, already in just the first five months of 2022, there have been 139 school shootings in America with 40 eight deaths. So with all of the numbers I just rattled off, that means 7% of all school shootings and deaths in the last 52 years have happened in the last five months. 25% of all school shootings in the last 52 years have happened in just the last two and a half years. That's a lot. So let's look at some specific school shootings that we know about, or maybe you don't know about, but let's talk about them and look at some commonalities, shall we? We'll start with the big mother of all school shootings that kind of started what seems to be the pattern of school shootings in America. April 20th, 1999, Columbine High School. Yes, the Columbine shooting. This was actually two students working together. It was different from other school shootings because it wasn't just one person. And they killed 12 students and one teacher. And then killed themselves. March 21, 2005. I'm jumping ahead because I'm not going to rattle off details on every single school shooting. Again, looking for commonalities. But March 21, 2005, Red Lake Senior High School. Five students killed, one teacher and one guard killed. The shooter killed himself. October 2nd, 2006, West Nickel Mines School. Five students killed, shooter killed himself. April 16th, 2007, Virginia Tech. 32 people killed. Shooter killed himself. Do you see a pattern here with the shooter? December 14th, 2012, Sandy Hook Elementary. This was a big one. 20 first graders killed and six adult school staff. The shooter? What do you think happened with the shooter? Did he kill himself? Yes, he did. October 1st, 2015, Umpqua Community College. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm guessing I'm pretty close. 10 people killed. Don't know the ratio of students to staff, but the shooter? 
killed himself. Yay! Last one I will discuss specifically is February 14th, 2018, Stoneman Douglas High School. 17 people killed. The gunman escaped on foot and was later captured and sentenced to prison. However, I want to point out, less than two months prior to the shooting, the FBI public access line received a tip about the shooter. The FBI later admitted after the shooting that the tip line did not follow proper protocol when, you know, trying to see if maybe we should stop this guy from shooting a bunch of kids. Oh, by the way, the most recent shooting that happened last week, the shooter. Don't tell me, Jeff. Yep. Killed himself. Yay! So there's clearly a pattern of psychological instability. I mean, in most cases, the shooter is completely aware that his death is imminent and he's totally going down in a blaze of glory. Now, of course, you and I don't see it as glorious, but we're sane, stable, normal people. You know, there were 258,000 Confederate soldiers who died in the Civil War, all dying for the right and the ideology to own a slave. So morality and glory, that is completely subjective. So moving on from the specifics of school shootings, let's look at just the basic definition and ideas behind the word rights. So here is the definition that I found for a right. It is a power or privilege held by the general public as the result of a constitution, statute, regulation, judicial precedent, or other type of law. However, let's be clear, even though they use the word privilege in that definition, rights and privileges are two very different things because rights supposedly can't be taken away by law and while privileges are for a more select few. Let's talk about, you know, the right to vote. You know, everyone fights for the right to vote. Suffrage, women want the right to vote. That's what suffrage was all about. Did you know that right now the people in the U.S. territories like Puerto Rico or the U.S. Virgin Islands, they cannot vote for president. It's like saying, well, we know we own you and consider you part of our country, but you don't have the same rights as the rest of Americans. Sorry about that. Also, the people living in Washington, D.C., or a.k.a. the District of Columbia, they are only able to vote for president because of the 23rd Amendment, which was only added in 1961. Washington, D.C., where all of our politics happen, where the president lives, the people in Washington, D.C., prior to the year 1961, could not vote for president. That's stupid. But looking at rights, you know, it's very much like if you listened to last week's episode about choices, the rights that you think you have, they're simply given to you by people in power. And those rights that you have today, they can be taken away tomorrow by people in power. So they're not rights like you think about them. But what about inalienable rights, Jeff? Aren't those granted to me by God? All right, well, let's go there. Like the Declaration of Independence, yes, it does discuss inalienable rights, which would be rights given to us by nature or by God, like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But let's not forget that the men that wrote these words, inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, these were men that were feeling completely oppressed by European nations that they had just migrated from. And they wanted to create an individuality and strength of a new government and ideology that these other governments could not come in and suppress. Let's also not forget that the men writing these words, inalienable rights, in the Declaration of Independence, they all pretty much owned slaves. Hypocrisy much? So these inalienable rights there, you know, for white men, yeah. If your skin is not the same color, 
Not so much. So flashing forward to the United States Constitution, which was signed on September 17th of 1787 by 39 of the 55 eligible delegates. Of the 16 delegates who didn't sign, many of them refused to sign due to a lack of a Bill of Rights. And actually, at least one of them refused due to the fact that it allowed for slavery to legally exist in the Constitution. That means that 29% of the eligible delegates did not agree with what was in the Constitution, yet it still came to fruition. I mean, that's not exactly a good representation of finger quotes, we the people. And at that time, there was already a division between Federalists and Anti-Federalists. The Federalists were clearly the majority, which makes sense why the other party was the Anti-Federalists, which now we're still split in the same regard with Republican and Democrat. Why we can't all just be Americans and understand that For the most part, we all want the same thing. Common fucking sense. Nope, can't have that. But the first 10 amendments in the Constitution essentially were what became the Bill of Rights. And let's talk about these amendments. And keep in mind, when you're writing this out, you have to imagine that the people that wrote this were doing it based on priority. Like, the First Amendment is the most important. Second one is the second most important. And so on and so on. Keep that in mind. So, what is the First Amendment about? If you said free speech, you're kind of right. Actually, the First Amendment primarily is about religion. We want to say that we think it's about free speech and free press, but that was a secondary piece of language in the First Amendment. And back then, there weren't really a whole lot of religions represented in America. These were all European Christians that had come over, so this was all about a Christian God. And probably a lot of these guys didn't know that this was going to come back and bite them in the ass later with Jews and Muslims and whatnot. So primarily, First Amendment, the priority, is about protecting religion. Let's not forget from last week's episode that, if I remember correctly, 53% of Americans in this day and age do not consider themselves to be of a specific religion. So already that First Amendment and what it was based on doesn't apply to the majority of the country. But back then, that was the priority. So the Second Amendment, obviously we're going to talk about this in more detail later because we've already been talking about the basis of this episode being those school shootings. But the Second Amendment is about guns and the right to own and carry guns. But again, going to discuss that a little more later. We'll leave it at that for now. But look at the priority. Amendment 1, God. Amendment 2, guns. The Third Amendment and the third priority is keeping the government from quartering troops in private homes. Yes, that is the third priority. We're not going to allow America from letting troops stay in Jeff's house without his permission. That is the third priority. How big of a fucking problem was this back then that that was the third priority? Let's not forget this is the third priority only after God and guns. The Fourth Amendment was protecting against search and seizure, illegal search and seizure. Well, let's point out that it's only illegal until a legal official says, It's okay. Then you have no fucking rights. Someone knocks on your door with a search warrant. Nothing you can do about it. Matter of fact, you don't even need to open the door. They'll break that shit down. Search and seizure, completely okay. As long as a legal entity and political figure approves it. But I want you to look at that and understand that your rights, even though that's your right in the Fourth Amendment, it can also be taken away by the language 
language in the Fourth Amendment. So that's really not a right. It's a circumstance. The Fifth Amendment is going to be due process in a trial. This would also include double jeopardy, so you can't be prosecuted or tried for the same offense twice. It also gives you the right to remain silent. That's why you hear people always say in court, I plead the fifth. It means I'm not going to say anything because it might incriminate me, and we allow you to do that. The Sixth Amendment is a right to a speedy trial. Also allows you to be informed of what you're being tried with. What? Why does this need put in there? We're, we're trying people up to this point without them even knowing what the fuck they're being tried for? That's stupid. And it also gives you the ability to confront your accuser in a court of law. You can't handle the truth! The Seventh Amendment says civil cases have the right to a jury trial. The Eighth Amendment prohibits excessive bail fines and cruel and unusual punishment. Once again, let's go back to things that are subjective. Cruel and unusual punishment, subjective. But really, when it boils down to it, Amendments 5 through 8 are all specific to discipline, trials, and jailing. And the Fourth Amendment kind of falls in there because it's what, you know, the seizure and search that allows you to then be on trial. So kind of going in order, we have God, guns, not letting troops stay in your house without permission, illegal search and seizure until the law says it's legal, and then a bunch of shit regarded to trial and discipline. The Ninth Amendment, this is a silly one, says you have more rights than just the ones listed in the Constitution. Seems kind of like a waste of an amendment. Rule six, there is now! Rule six. Hey, I know we listed some stuff here, but you got more rights than that. We're just not going to write them down. We prefer for it to be a little vague. It's how we roll. And the 10th Amendment basically says that if they didn't put a rule in the Constitution from a federal perspective, then as a state, you have the right to add more rules. You just can't change or deny the ones that the federal government has instituted. So it's like trickle-down government. And also ensures that federally, the government can make holistic rules that everyone has to abide by, even if 100% of the people in any given state said, no, we don't agree with this federal law, doesn't matter. State can't go against the federal law. But for all the rules that the federal government decides not to enforce, the state can add all kinds of extra shit. So let's deep dive a little bit more into these first 10 amendments, or at least some of them. So the First Amendment, again, as I mentioned, we all think the First Amendment is the amendment that gives us free speech. Even though I've just told you it's more about religion, but do you feel like you have freedom of speech in this day and age with political correctness? You feel like you can say anything you want without being completely judged by your peers and in some instances jailed because now we've got hate speech. Well, isn't hate speech subjective? There are a lot of words I can't use to speak about a homosexual person, a black person, a Jewish person without those being considered hate speech. But if someone called me a honky, I really don't think they're going to throw the book at them for hate speech. Honestly, if you call me an asshole, that could be considered hate speech, but they're not going to apply that. It's all about what words we've defined to be hateful. And if we know that a word has been defined to be hateful, guess what? Reprogram your fucking brain and be like, I'm not giving this word any power. But no, we're clearly incapable of doing that as human beings because we're all so sensitive. But again, the First Amendment, as I mentioned, it's primarily designed 
line for the freedom of religion. And of course, this is why, as I mentioned last week in the episode, churches and religions are pretty much not taxed anything on their earnings because we are, let's not forget, one nation under God. And all of the rights that were given to us by bitter, scared men, completely terrified of the opposition of European countries they had just abandoned, they like to use the idea of God's favor to instill and enforce those ideas. These are God-given rights, are they? I'm pretty sure God didn't come down from the heavens and write these. And I mentioned George Carlin last week, but he he had a bit, I don't remember it in verbatim, but mentioned like if this was God's law, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, and this was what God wanted, why have there been so many amendments after the fact? Is God that fucking fallible that he got it that wrong on the first try? So clearly not God's law. You know, also separation of church and state, it's also part of this First Amendment, but it really only offers freedom to embrace religion, not so much to deny it. And again, we now have a country that is a higher concentration of non-religious people. So in that regard, a lot of this is irrelevant. Honestly, the whole separation of church and state was only added to the Constitution by James Madison to keep the government from forming a religion of the people. Because he already knew way back then in the late 1700s that religion was a man-made thing. And he feared that the government might try and create their own religion. And he wanted to make sure that the government and religion could not be one in the same. Isn't that interesting? So here we go. We're going to talk about the Second Amendment because that is going to be, you know, really discussed a lot right now for a short period of time after this most recent school shooting, as it always is after a big school shooting, and then it kind of just disappears. But as I mentioned, the Second Amendment is primarily about the right to own and carry a weapon or a gun. But let's also not forget that this amendment was written at a time when our country had no real army, and it was basically militia-based. So it was the citizens that were all fighting at a time when they needed to. So it was important that they were able to own guns, because that was the army. If you don't believe me, let me tell you exactly what the Constitution states. And I quote, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Militia is stated before the first fucking comma. But, of course, you know, we do have the ability to make additional amendments so that we can tweak and fine-tune over time the Constitution that was written back in the late 1700s at a time that was completely different than today with weapons that were completely different than today. So let's look at the most significant amendments to the Second Amendment. In 1865, the First Amendment was called the Black Codes. This was in amendment, remember, 1865 is when the Civil War ended and slavery was now pretty much abolished. This amendment prevented African Americans from possessing firearms. So you're free, but you don't quite still have all the same rights as the rest of us protected in the Constitution. Sorry about that. Not a whole lot of amendments made for quite some time. 1934, we have the National Firearms Act, and this essentially set up taxation on manufacturers and sellers and buyers of specific firearms, including shotguns and rifles with barrels shorter than 18 inches, machine guns, and silencers. So 
we're kind of targeting certain things that we think, you know, that's not normal weapon stuff. But it also, don't forget the word taxation. It's the government saying, we kind of want to make a little money off this. Four years later, in 1938, there was the Federal Firearms Act, which I'm not really sure. That's semantics. Federal. National. Stupid basically the same thing. This required manufacturers, importers, and sellers of weapons to have a license. Now they gotta spend money and get that license, more money for the pockets of the government. Additionally, the sellers needed to maintain records of who they sold a gun to. And this was supposed to ensure the convicted felons couldn't buy a gun, but simply keeping a record after the fact, it doesn't stop the felon from buying the gun in the first place. Once again, speaking of the intent intelligent George Carlin, he once said, This is a place where gun store owners are given a list of stolen credit cards, but not a list of criminals and maniacs. <laughs> and now they're thinking about banning toy guns, and they're going to keep the fucking real ones! <laughs> So that was 1938. Jump forward, 1967. The Mulford Act. Remember, you know, back in 1865 when blacks weren't allowed to own guns because of that amendment? Well, 30 members of the Black Panthers showed up at the steps of the California State House, armed with weapons and demanding the right for blacks to bear arms. Out of fear, these white lawmakers in the California State House very quickly drafted a state bill allowing open carry of firearms for anyone, including blacks, but prohibiting them at the state capitol. So, okay, fine, you can have your guns, just please get off of our state capitol steps, you fucking spineless pussies. You can do what you want, but just not in my backyard. 1972, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms becomes part of of the Treasury Department. This is the ATF, and they became part of the Treasury Department. The Treasury. What? And also, speaking of the ATF, why is firearms part of the same agency as beer and cigarettes? How are those related? I don't understand it. Let's jump ahead. 1990, the Gun-Free School Zones Act. In response to the increased gun violence at schools, this prohibits any unauthorized person from knowingly possessing a loaded firearm at or around a school. Really? This law is going to change or stop anything? Or what if someone was arrested near a school with a gun and they said, oh, I totally forgot I had it. I wasn't knowingly carrying. Our government is a bunch of fucking morons. Great job, guys. 1993, the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act. Oh my God, what a long, stupid name that is. And no, it has nothing to do with the Brady Bunch. This required federally licensed firearm dealers to conduct a background check before selling a gun. Prior to 1993, there was no required background check. Just keeping a record. Also, due to certain state laws, because this was federally licensed firearm dealers, but due to certain state laws and sellers at gun shows or the internet, these people were not bound to this law because they weren't federally licensed firearm dealers. A year later, 1994, the federal assault weapons ban. This lasted for 10 years. And one of the problems with this law was that it never clearly defined what an assault weapon was, so it made it nearly impossible to enforce. Great job, guys. So now we're going to fast forward to 2003. We are now 
after Columbine. 2003, I don't even know how to pronounce this. It's T-I-A-H-R-T. Tiart. The Tiart Amendments. I don't know. This restricted law enforcement's ability to investigate gun crimes and prosecute unethical gun dealers. This was an amendment in a step that went backwards. It actually made things easier for people to own guns unlawfully and made it harder for police to investigate. That's dumb. 2017, the HJ Res 40. Just going to call this the handjob resolution. Now, the names of these laws are getting shorter and more ambiguous, but that's really stupid. This was President Trump. Okay, handjob resolution 40. We're going to sign it in. We're going to make it quick and fast, okay? He signed this into law saying that the Social Security Administration is no longer required to submit information about people with mental illnesses to the NICS. That is the National Institute Criminal Background Check System, which was being used by gun dealers. And I want to point out that the NICS left some letters out of their acronym. You know, they're the National Institute of Criminal Background Check System. They left background check out altogether. But let's mention again, like with ATF being part of the Treasury, why is the Social Security Administration one of our main sources of data for those with mental illness when it comes to purchasing a gun? Makes no sense. I would think maybe the ATF should be in charge of that. Great job, guys. So since Columbine happened in 1999, the only two pieces of gun legislature have been to reduce the power of law enforcement and reduce the tracking of gun buyers. So what is the solution? Because clearly, like I just said, nothing has happened in recent memory. Other than what Trump signed in in 2017, it's this whole uproar thing. It's what I discussed last week with like Black Lives Matter. That was created in 2013, that movement, but nothing has changed because people get really loud and march and riot or whatever for a short period of time when something happens and then they move on with their lives and forget about it. And then the government's like, okay, the people are tame, they're content, we're just gonna kind of let sleeping dogs lie. Let me also point out that I mentioned how the last two and a half years alone have made up for 25% of the school shootings in this country in over 50 years. And during that time, well, Trump hasn't been in office. That's been Mr. Joe Biden. It's time to see the, the what used to be called Rust Belt become the, 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 the home of, of, of... And with a majority in Congress of liberal Democrats. Yet, where's the legislature? Where's the change? You have the majority. You're the ones that have been fighting for this when you weren't in power and basically blaming the other party or people for saying, well, we want to do this, but we can't because we're not in power right now. You've been in power for two and a half years and you ain't done shit. Nothing. Nada. Not one amendment. Not one piece of legislature. So don't stand there and act like you actually fucking care. It's like having a dog that shits on your carpet and complaining that your house smells like shit and we really need to do a better job of cleaning the shit up off the carpet or maybe taking the dog out more often but instead you just continue to let shit piles build and build and build throughout your house and just deal with it. So I just want to say to all you really hardcore left-wing liberal-minded anti-gun people guess what? The people you voted for they ain't done shit. I want you to keep that in mind next time there's an election. Hey, let's maybe look at some independent parties. Maybe these people will try something a little different instead of following the status quo. So what is the solution to this problem? I don't know. I'm just a comedy podcaster. But 
I also have common sense, so let me tell you some ideas that I have. First off, a total ban on guns. It's never going to work. We already had one civil war over people wanting to own people. And at the time, everyone on both sides owned guns and considered that to be an inalienable right. Imagine the outcome if there was a ban on weapons, let alone wanting to seize those that are already owned by people. I mean, talk about civil war number two. And when it comes down to guns being the primary issue, well, guessing a lot of people are going to get shot. So, you know, maybe one step would be banning the online sale of weapons. Make people walk into a shop. Make them be verified by an actual merchant. Being able to buy an AK-47 through a website? I don't know. Just doesn't seem like the best idea to me. Speaking of AK-47s, for the most part, no one really needs to own a machine gun, okay? But there's always going to be that argument, you know, of having that constitutional right to overtake our government. I mean, what happens if all the citizens lose the weapons that their aggressors legally have because they're deemed part of our military and police, or as we would have called it back in the late 1700s, the militia. And yes, the government is currently the aggressor. So why is it okay for one American to own and carry a gun or a certain type of gun simply because they work for the government, but the non-government employee, that's not okay. Our freedoms and rights are supposed to be rooted in basic equality, not whether you work for a government agency or not. So that's kind of where that argument gets shady, but overall, I don't understand a single reason why anyone in this country needs to own a machine gun. Say hello to my little friend! Another common sense idea that I kind of touched upon earlier, let's create the Department of Firearms. Let's not have the ATF where beer and cigarettes are rolled into the same people regulating guns. If this is such a big problem, let's have a department dedicated to that. They should have never been combined in the first place, but hey, maybe we can make a change. Maybe they shouldn't be part of the Treasury. Maybe they should be part of the Department of Defense. Just spitballing, but you know, government, not a big fan of common sense ideas. Maybe we should just go ahead and repeal hand job resolution 40. While you're at it, maybe not have the Social Security Administration be in charge of providing details and data about mental illnesses to gun merchants. Maybe the newly defined DOF, the Department of Firearms, should be in charge of all that shit. Speaking of all of this ridiculousness and total lack of common sense, you realize that you're paying like almost a third of your income every year for decisions like this, for the Social Security administration to be in charge of mental illness reporting just saying you have a choice kind of listen to last week you do actually have a choice at the ballot box to not vote red or blue make a statement here's another idea let's have some basic police training for school and mass shooting situations maybe let's not wait over an hour to enter a building where kids are being shot you know like i said earlier maybe we could give them better equipment big ass shields that they walk with in front of them that are completely bulletproof just allows you to advance a little further into the school determine the situation most of these shootings are one person if one police officer gets shot, well, if he's properly equipped with, you know, Kevlar, there's a much better chance that he's not going to die compared to the school administrator who's wearing a short-sleeved button-up shirt and a clip-on tie. Or maybe the first grader who's wearing a Pokemon t-shirt and some cargo shorts. Guessing that policeman is more well-equipped to handle a bullet hit, but we're just gonna hang out outside for over an hour. We need more reinforcements. What are those 
those reinforcements going to do? What is different about those reinforcements with their training and their equipment than what you have? Also, as I mentioned earlier, if you're a police officer or a fireman or a military soldier, you kind of picked a job where you said, I want to be a hero. Live up to that. Not saying it's ideal. I don't envy you. That's why that's not the job that I have. But, you know, Superman's not going to wait around for Batman and Wonder Woman to arrive just to blow out a fire at a burning factory. He's a hero. He's going to go do it himself. And he's not going to wait and let more people die and perish in that fire. I'm just going to stand here and watch as the factory completely collapses into ash. Batman texted me like five minutes ago, said he should be on his way. He's just stuck in traffic. Here's another idea. Maybe find a local gun enthusiast, someone who's licensed and has a permit, do a background check, but hire him or her to guard public buildings with a visible gun on his or her hip. I assure you, those people would not wait an hour to enter the school. Even if they died in the process, they would absolutely proudly use their weapon to do the job. And let's not forget the shooter, most likely going to kill himself anyway. So going in there with the intent of just finding the shooter and filling him with lead, not a big deal. You're just saving him his own ammunition. I'm going to say I do own one gun. I have a basic handgun. I've used it twice. Once when I went for my range test to get my concealed carry permit, and I've never used that permit. I've never carried a gun outside of my house, concealed or open carry, but I'm of the opinion that it's better to have something and not need it than need something and not have it. And then a few months after that, I went back to the range and I used my gun one more time. Since then, for years and years, it has sat in a safe next to my bed in a nightstand. But I do like having it and knowing that, again, if I need it, I have it. And let's be honest, the majority of gun crimes, whether they're school shootings, mass shootings, gang shootings, drive-by shootings, these happen by people that have very little regard for human life. And as we've seen with the school shooters, very little regard for their own life. And that's all I have to say about that. So I'm not going to get into huge detail about the other eight amendments or Bill of Rights. But, you know, as I mentioned, the remaining amendments are all, you know, quartering troops in your home, search and seizure, right to a speedy trial, right to keep your yapper shut so that you don't incriminate yourself. Ninth Amendment is a dumb, basic piece of shit. Rule six, there is now... Rule six. And the Tenth Amendment just opens the door for more laws by local and state governments further taking away your rights and freedoms. Don't think that these laws are granting you rights. It's not what they're doing. If we lived in a world of inalienable rights that were given to us by nature and God, there would not need to be ink or paper to define them. We would just live in a world where we all have all the rights. So I just want everyone to think about some of the common sense stuff I've discussed and how none of that has been put into place. None of it. Our government is wasting your money and purposefully wasting their time just to kill time and try and keep collecting paychecks and staying in office as long as they can. They're going to politic. They're going to campaign with all of these grandiose ideas of gun reform and change. None of it has happened. I should have gone and researched how many candidates in the Democratic elections of the last 20 years really boasted the idea for gun reform. Because as we've seen in the last 20 years, there's only been two pieces of legislature introduced. Both of those made it easier to own guns and easier to not be investigated by police for owning a gun. So 
All those people who said they were going to do more about gun control, they ain't done shit. And in the last two and a half years, they have absolutely had the majority. They could have drafted and passed any of this shit. Guarantee it. But they don't want to do it because they don't want to piss off those people that sit in the middle. Because they understand that while they have a majority technically, it's only a majority because a lot of the majority is actually sitting in the middle and leaning red or blue because they don't want to waste their vote on an independent. It's all a game of chess and checkers to get reelected, not to actually create policy, to create change, or do anything that is common sense. Shame on you. All right, I'll step off my soapbox. I want to thank everyone for continuing to tune in to the Jeff Becomes Jeff podcast. If you would like to follow me on social media, you can do so on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Becomes Jeff. Until next time, I'm Jeff. Ah, y'all, Jeff. Night. Went to the devil and I prayed And I showed him the mess that I've made And I cried and I cried devil just laughed in my face I went to the god of fire and said can you turn the heat a little higher cause I've been burned and I've been burned a million times over but he just covered me with water so I went to the lord of the sea said won't you come wash over me
I love gold.